Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, it's a joy to welcome you here today as we begin a brand new message series entitled Faith Fact. That's what I call frequently asked questions. And uh, we're so excited because coming off of Easter, there's a lot of folks, and maybe you're here. Maybe last week you came for the first time, and maybe you decided, you know what, we, we, we'd want to grow in our relationship with God. We want to learn more. We want to understand more. We want to be a part of a faith community and really see God uh, in and through our lives. And so what we've done is to take some of the frequently asked questions that maybe if you're a skeptic in the room or you're watching online and you're sitting at home and you're saying, you know, there, I believe in some things, but there are some questions that I have. We decided to take the top frequently asked questions and begin going down one by one and really attacking them to be able to really get to the heart and to the answer of whether or not this is right, this is wrong, this is true, this is not how I can truly grow. And, and we lead off this message and, uh, by what we just saw just a little bit ago. And uh, we saw Javier stand up in those waters and profess uh, a couple of things. And what I loved about his testimony was this. Um, you heard him say, look, I, I, I want, I'm publicly want to let people know I'm 150% uh, following Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm committed to that. And, and that's what I want to, I want to do. But then you also heard very honestly and transparently, which I loved because I think that represents most people in this room. And that was his heart of saying, look, I don't, I don't know much about the Bible. I know some things, but I'm committed to learning and I'm committed to growing. And it leads us to our first question, because if, if I was sitting in your shoes and you have that, that, that same heartbeat, um, I would have this question, and we're going to lead off with it here. Why should I trust the Bible as truth? And, and here's the reason why we're, we're launching off with this question is, is because as a pastor, whether you come to our church or you go to other churches, what a pastor typically does is he stands up and he opens a Bible or he reads scripture off a screen. And what he does is he challenges you to change your life because of what those words say. And if I'm just a skeptic in the room, the question that I have that a lot of people have is, why should I? Why should I believe in that? Why should I trust and really begin changing my life because of what that says? And so we're going to start with that. And my hope as we walk through this question is, is that you'll leave today not only understanding why we do it, but that you can joyfully trust 100% that God's word, the Bible, is 100% truth. And in order to lead that off, we're going to jump to a passage of scripture and I want to kind of unpack it for you. Because someone asked that question about what is the Bible useful for? And the author is writing and saying, let me explain practically what the Bible is useful for. So if you're taking notes today, um, I I just encourage you to write that question down and to jot down some of these references because I know if you're really wanting to understand these facts, you're going to jump back to it. So we're going to begin in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It's in the New Testament. And we're going to unpack and answer this question beginning with this. It says this, all scripture is God-breathed is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now, let me unpack that just a little bit more. It starts off, the author starts off by saying, all scripture is God-breathed. And so for those, practically, 
The Bibles that you carry, you see people with apps now, you see people with TV screens. And back in the day when we didn't have all technology, we had Bibles. And, and I always kind of chuckle because you see individuals. There, there's something special about a Bible, right? Um, you see individuals, they take a Bible and they, they treat it a little differently. Like they walk around, but you know, it's almost like it's, it's you know, it's, there's something sacred about it. And so we just protect it a little bit more. We have, how many of you have a carrying case for your Bible? You have those? Yes, yes. We have a, we have a cozy to protect the Bible, and and, and you know because there's something about it. It's you know, and, and how many of you have ever? Now, now I'm just going to get to this, so don't get mad at me and don't call me sacrilegious. How many of you ever have ever thrown an old Bible out? <gasps> how dare you? Because there's something something different about the Bible. Well, first, let me talk about this. I think as we approach as as Christians, we have to understand something. That back in the day. The original scriptures were written on scrolls, on parchment, originals. And it was all God-inspired. Men, God spoke to the heart of man, and man wrote down and penned what God says. And we believe that in the church today. And I'm going to get to why we believe that, that all scripture is God-breathed. And so I, I would venture to say as a pastor, I want you to understand this, that what's most important about your Bibles is not... Not the, whether it's leather, not whether it's hard copy, not whether you have the cheat tabs on the side, you know what I'm talking about. What's important about that Bible are the events and the historical facts that lie on its pages. Does that make sense? So it's really important to start that because there's really nothing mystical or magical about the paper or the leather that surrounds the Bible. That's not what is magical. What's amazing about the Bible are the words that are on its pages. And so whether you have technology, whether it's on an iPad, an iPhone, a TV screen, what's most important are the historical events and the words that are written down because we believe that they are God-inspired. We also say there are four things that we go through, and I'm going to walk you through what I typically do when I read the Bible. First and foremost, I don't, I'm a pastor, and I don't know everything in the Bible. Do you want to know why? That's a whole lot to memorize, isn't it? It's a whole lot. And so as a pastor, there are many times I get to a part, it's like, I've never seen that before. I've read that probably six times and never picked up on that. I learn constantly. And so the Bible is useful for teaching. We're going to understand, we're going to say, oh, I never saw that before. Wow. So right off the bat, Christians who've been going to church for 30 years, it's okay to say that you don't know everything that's in the Bible. It's okay when someone quotes a scripture, rather than you pretending that you actually know the scripture they're quoting and, mmm, yes, mmm. It's okay to say, that's interesting, where does that come from? Don't worry. I'm not calling anything out. It's a lot to take in. So it's useful for teaching. But here's the second thing that happens to Terry when I start to read scripture. I read the Bible and all of a sudden I go, oh, wow, that's interesting. I didn't know. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, 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 I've been doing it. All. Oh, gosh. Oh, rebuke comes in. Oh, I don't do that. Oh, now I understand. Oh, I just said that to my wife yesterday. Oh, she's right. Ah, it's okay. You're rebuking. And the great thing about Scripture is if you read and you read the, the words surrounding it, usually it will begin to correct you. That if you find yourself not doing or, or following a principle that Scripture has, it will usually have Scripture around it that will correct. And the last thing which I think is beautiful is if you spend time, and we're going to get to this, if you spend time actually in the historical events and the words that are written throughout Scripture, it will begin to train you how you can truly. And Javier did it today. And he said, look, I, I, I'm gone with the old, and I want to be new. And the way that you become new is through Scripture. 
through truth. Now, skeptics in the room. I started off by saying, how do I know that I can trust the Bible? And I get it, you type A's, you analyticals in the room. I get it, you're sitting there and some people are like, I trust the Bible, how can you question it? It's amazing! And you're sitting there going, yeah, 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 it was written by men, it was a lot of years ago. How do we know that it's actually true? I mean, come on, really? Well, let me give you some factual evidence to kind of support the opinion that the Bible is true. So, do you believe Scripture is truth? The Bible has, first point, write this down, the Bible has more manuscripts than any other ancient literature. Now, let me do two things. Let me tell you what a manuscript is. A manuscript is... A direct, in other words, an original. Let's call it this way. A manuscript is an original. So back in the day, when the authors of God's Word scrolled down the words of God, they would pass those scrolls on to individuals. Then, what would happen? Elements, environments, environmental changes would affect the scrolls. So what would happen is, is that an individual would have to then take another plume. I don't know if they had plumes. I'm just calling it out. And, and then they would go ahead and they would take new parchment and they would go to the original and then they would pen word from word from the original. So a manuscript is a copy from directly from an original. So it's not a copy from, oh, take it from the original. Great. And then you have a copy and you go over here and you, and you write, 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 write. And someone translates it and they go and they say, ooh, you translated it to English? Great. I'm going to make a copy of the English. No. A manuscript goes all the way back to the original source always. So when you read this, the Bible has more originals, don't miss this, than any other, any other ancient literature. Any other ancient, go back one screen, guys. Don't go ahead of me. Any other ancient literature. How many of you believe that Julius Caesar existed? Raise your hand in the room. If you're sitting on a couch watching online, raise your hand. Thank you for participating. There's, there's not, I didn't see one hand lowered unless you were tired and not paying attention. But other than that, everyone in this room believes Julius Caesar existed, right? There's no doubt. Do you know that the Bible has far more original evidence that Jesus Christ is who he said he is than Julius Caesar? It's not even close It's thousands of documents to hundreds. But yet I don't see anybody walking around on TV stations saying, I don't believe Julius Caesar existed. The Colosseum is a hoax. Rome never really was here. I don't see anybody taking that point. Why? They'd be laughed out of the room, right? Because we have all the documents pointing to it, then we go to Italy and we see the Colosseum. We see things matching historical documents, and all of us just say, well, it must be true. Now, some of you are saying, well, see, that's different than Jesus. Oh, wait, is it? Because we do have Jerusalem. And wait, they are, archaeologists have dug up from thousands of, I've walked on a place described in a Bible in B.C. And it's there. And so it has more originals than any other historical document. Secondly, the Bible's manuscripts are dated closer to the time the originals were written. Do you understand what this means? It means this, that when an event occurred, it was a short amount of time after, shorter than any other historical event, where a person would take and write down, an eyewitness would write down and scroll the history. And so the date between when it happened and when it was written about it is far closer than any other historical event that we might question. Does that make sense? The New Testament was written by eyewitnesses. Do you understand that? That the page and the words that you're reading are not 500 years later someone finally started writing about the story of Jesus. No. You're talking decades later. 
that it was penned down from people who lived it. The Bible's manuscripts are accurate and true to their original writings. Now, you want further proof than this? I've already given you more, and you already said you believe in Julius Caesar. So you want more proof? I'll give you more proof. Did you know in the Bible there are about a thousand prophecies? Now, let me explain what a prophecy is. A prophecy is this. Something written long ago in history foretelling that something's going to happen. A prophecy is written it down, it's going to happen. Then when it's fulfilled, it means that later on it happened exactly how someone wrote about it long ago. That's a prophecy. And in the Bible, there's about a thousand of them. Do you know how many to this date, up to now, of the thousand prophecies, 668 of them should have happened. And guess how many of them did? 668. The rest of the prophecies, they're about the end times. We haven't lived in that area yet. That's in the future. But of the 668 up until this point that should happen and were written about, 668 of them actually happened. Do you understand the statistical chance of this? Let me make this. If you're still a skeptic in this room, let me kind of point out to this. I looked this up. Do you know the statistical chance of 668 prophecies coming true is? It would be like covering the state of Texas two feet deep in silver dollars. It would then be taking you, blindfolding you. Then I would take one silver dollar, color it red, and I would chuck it somewhere in the state of Texas. I would spin you around ten times blindfolded, say, travel as much as you want throughout Texas. You only get one chance to reach down in the two feet deep pile of silver dollars and actually find the red coin and actually doing it. That's the statistical chance of 668 prophecies coming true. Skeptics watching online or on the floor, look, you can question a whole lot of things, but at some point you have to start believing that the words and the scriptures on the pages are pretty amazing and just might be true. Here's what I would tell you. If you don't believe those are true, then you better stop talking about Julius Caesar. Now, now that we know and that we understand Scripture is truth. Someone might say, well, Terry, why is it that you're up and why do we look at it all the time? It's because God actually commanded all of us on how we're to approach the Bible. And I want you to see this from Joshua 1.8. Take a look at this. He says this. He said this to Joshua. Joshua, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Business leaders, I want you to hear me very closely. Because sometimes we we only go into the, the mantra of just church. But do you know that the Bible affects our lives and culture too? If you're a business leader and you say, Terry, I just want to know how to run a better business. business. I want to be a better leader. I want to make sure that, you know, that I do the right things. Do you have any advice from Scripture? Yes. Take the Bible. Meditate on it day and night. Because God said this to Joshua. Joshua, you're a, to be a leader. If you don't know who Joshua is... Joshua was about to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. It was all on his shoulders. He had a bunch of griping people who lived in a desert for 40 years. And God said, now you're going to take them into battle and you're going to claim what I promised you. Good luck, Joshua. And he says this to Joshua. Joshua, the only thing I want to tell you, I want you to make sure that you take the historical events all about me, the scriptures that have been written, that I've breathed, and I want you every day to stay close to them. And if you do that, Joshua, you want to know how you're going to be successful and prosperous? is if you do that. So 
If you're in the room saying, Terry, I want to know in life, in marriage, in business, I want to be prosperous and successful. Here are three things that you can do when it comes to the Bible. First, you need to continually study it. The way that you study the Bible is continuously. Is that you are constantly going back to it. It is not a a quick and easy read and you put it away. You are going to read the Bible your whole life. Some of you who said, well, I read the Bible, I don't have to do that anymore. No. It's not about that. It's not about that. You need to be consistent. Consistent. Max Licato, one of my favorite authors, and I've said this before, Max Licato I've read because I remember researching, you know, gosh, you know, what are some of the theologians, the the leaders of faith, you know, how do they do their times with God? I really want to glean some wisdom from them. And I'll never forget reading a blog about Max Licato and someone asked him, how do you study the Bible? I want to learn from you. And Max said this, differently but continuously. And they said, well, tell me what you mean. He goes, there are some days that I will go ahead and I'll read three chapters. There are some days that I'll read a whole book, depending on the day. There are some days, though, that I'll read one word. And that word will transform my life. And so the key is is to be consistent. And then the last one you see I put comprehend. I think the problem with a lot of us Christians in the room is we are daunted by the task of the Bible. If you pick up a Bible, the Bible is pretty big, isn't it? It's got a lot of words. And some of us, we only read books with pictures. And so when we look at it, we're like, I ain't touching that. And it's got, whoa, 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 whoa. No, and that, that's why a lot of us struggle with it. Here's what I would say. God bless you. Here's what I'd say. Gosh, that's amazing. Those animatronics are perfect at the time. So anyway, here's the truth. The truth is, what's more important is not consumption. What's more important is comprehension. And so if you've ever approached the Bible, I want you to change how you look at the Bible because I think we do this. Guys are goal-oriented creature. We look at it and go, I got to read all of that? I give up. You shouldn't look at the Bible that way. Instead, you should look at it as a resource that you are going to continuously, consistently go to to comprehend. So whether it's a sentence, whether it's a chapter, whatever it is, that you're consistent and you meditate on it day and night. That's how you should approach the Bible. Now, some of us have a question in this room. Someone wrote this question in, and I'm going to answer it. What Bible should I choose, Terry? Because there's a whole lot out there. And when you go online or this and that, you have no idea. You, how many of you have ever owned a, a, King's, a King James version of a Bible? We're going to get to that in a second. Um, you've seen study Bibles. You've seen picture Bibles. You've seen kids' Bibles. I like those. They have lots of pictures. Um, but here's the truth. If you're saying, Terry, I've been a Christian for a while, I need a Bible that I can really begin to to dive into and and really begin comprehending. Then I recommend, the one that I recommend to use is this. It's a Life Application Study Bible. And the reason why I love it is, is because as you read the words of Scripture, then you can underneath it have some of the top theologians in the country are going to go ahead and write a general description of what you just read. So that as you read, if you're like me, I don't understand a lick of what I just read, a whole lot of this and that, and I don't get it. Then I go down and I look and say, oh, that's what they're meaning. That's what that means. And I can begin comprehending what I'm reading. So the Life Application Study Bible is one that I recommend. Secondly, for those of you tech-savvy individuals, you say, Terry, I only use my phone. I don't, I don't buy any more books. I moved way too often or too heavy. So then I recommend you download the Bible app. And did you know if you download that Bible app, that today, if you actually did that, don't download it now, I'm watching some of you. But if you download that Bible app, you can search in events for our church. You will find our church. In fact, today you will find it live and you will see the notes that I'm putting up on the screen are provided for you right in that Bible app. 
So you never, never, never have to pick a pen up and never have to lose focus and write or anything. It can be right there for you. You can save them and you can hold on to every week's message notes if you choose to. And there's a picture of it right now live in there today. Third, many of you in this room, you'd say, Terry, I want to learn more. I want to comprehend more. I want to really begin to understand my faith. We challenge our church every single year to go through what we call the one-year Bible. And the reason why we do that is, is we want individuals to follow the passage I read to you, to be continuous in your faith. And so every day to meditate. And so if you've been a Christian for a while and you want to join us in that journey, then I encourage you to pick up the one-year Bible. And many in our church, every day, we use this as our devotion time. It has New Testament, Old Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. And so if you take 15 minutes every single day and you plow through it, in one year's time, you will have read the entire Bible. Now, for those of you, remember what I said before. I don't care if you miss a day. I don't care if you stop halfway through a day. What I care about is every day that you are in Scripture and that you're reading it. Last, I would say, for some of you in this room, you say, Terry, I'm lost already. You've already lost me. I've never picked up a Bible. I really don't understand. And to be honest, I'm one of those fakers in church where I just go, amen, and I shake my head, but I really have no idea. I want to encourage you to go to a course that starts next week. It's a six-week course. It's next Sunday starting at 9.45 a.m., and it's called Foundations. And it's an amazing course that will give you a platform, a foundation for your faith so that as you begin to read and begin to understand, you will be able to put the pieces together and really understand and comprehend Scripture at a much different level. Now, some of you, you're having Bible fatigue already. I can see it. Before I go to the next question, hear my heart. If you're a dad in the room, and you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to hear my heart. What God wants from you is every single day at some point to be in Scripture. Whether it's a word, whether it's a sentence, whether it's a chapter, He does. If you're a mom in this room, God wants you every single day to be in the Word. If you're a single adult, God wants you to make decisions for your life, choices for your life based on what His Word says. That's as plain as I can say it to you today. And that's why every weekend we gather here and I pray and say, God, show me scripture that I can pour out so that individuals can learn and to grow. Now, with that being said, some of you, there's a question that was sent in and it was this, which translation of the Bible should I choose? First thing I have to do is to to answer the question is, what is a translation? Translations are taken directly from the original language of the Bible. Let me explain that really quickly to you. A translation means... That whoever writes down the words on the pages, they don't go to, in other words, let's see, we have a King James Version, we have the, uh, the New International Version, we have the New Living Translation, we have all these translations. When you do a translation, here's what we do. If a new translation comes out, what we don't do is say, well, I'm going to write a new Bible and I'm going to go to the New Living Translation and I'm going to copy that, I'm going to read that and I'm going to change it and create my own. That's not a translation. A translation is going back to the original language that the Bible was written in, which was Aramaic and Greek, and going all the way back then and to be able to look at the words and read it and then to write it in today's language so that we can comprehend it at a much better level. How many of you grew up thinking the King James Version came from Jesus himself? You laugh now, but if you were in church about 20 years ago and someone dare said something wrong about the King James Version, people thought you were going to hell. But the King James Version was one of the first English translation that came directly from the Latin, which came directly from the language. And it was written in the King's language way back in the medieval times. And so that is a translation. However, today 
we use much different translations because our language is much different. One caveat that I would give you, make sure that when you pick a Bible that you choose a translation because there are other versions of the Bible that are great, but they're not meant to be used as a Bible. They're meant as a supplementary resource. Things like the message. If you've ever seen the message, the message is not the Bible and it wasn't written to be the Bible. The message is a paraphrased version of some of the events that have occurred. Just make sure you choose wisely. That's Indiana Jones reference, just so you know. So what to remember when picking a translation? Can you comprehend it? I said this in the first service. There are many of you that can quote scripture from the King James Version, like the back of your hand. You grew up on it, you learned it. Here's the only thing that I would say to you, is whatever you quote, can you understand and comprehend it? Because there's a whole lot of individuals that quote scripture that they learned at a young age, but they really don't know what it means. And so the only thing that I would say to you is, is make sure you can comprehend that which what you quote and that which you study. Here are five things that you can do starting tomorrow that you can begin growing in your relationship with God. Skeptic in the room, online, if you came in here not knowing that the Bible is truth, and today you'd say, you know, Terry, you've proven it to me, I, I should trust it a little bit more. How can you begin to comprehend it better? I'm going to give you five things that you can do. First, you need a place. Find a place at home, a consistent place that you can go to. Find a place at work, wherever it is. Find a place and make it a routine to go to that place. Second, have a plan. There are too many of us that we say, all right, I'm going to start. I'm going to just open up. And how many of us do this when we approach the Bible? All right, God, God, I'm here. I'm going to study. It's been a long time. So God, I need answers in life today. So I'm going to open it up. Flip, 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 flip me. Boom. This is the word from God. And God killed 20,000. But must have been it, Jason. I'm going to flip more pages. All right. This one's from God. That's not a plan. If you make that as a part of God's truth, you have more faith than I do. So don't do this with your finger. Don't finger study. There's way too many of you that make too important of decisions by going eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Don't do that. Spend time with God. Open his word. Read. And then have a plan and have him speak to you. Spend a period of time. By the way, I just needed something that started with a P, so you like that? Period of time. Spend some time. Those of you that think that you have to spend an hour every single day, you don't. And the reason why I said, no, the more you can give, the better it is, yes. But I will tell you, God's happy if you're just approaching him and talking to him. So spend some time with him. Before pray, talk to God. When I started Bible study, one of the things I asked is, God, you know my heart. And God, I don't understand half of what I'm reading. And so I need you right now to open my heart and open my eyes so that I can begin understanding what I'm reading. And God did it. He did it. And last but not least, ponder. Ponder what God does. I think this is the missing piece in most Christians' lives. Many of us, we just read to consume. We don't read to comprehend. And part of comprehension is spending your day going, God, you know what? You told me this morning as I was reading, you said that um, when words are many, sin is not absent. And so, God, today I have that meaning, and God, today I pray that I would remember that, and I, I would pray that I'd be quick to hear and listen and slow to speak. And so, God, thank you for that word today. Thank you for encouraging me, and I want to be wise in my day. Do you see in a, a fraction of a time how God could impact your day? So ponder the things of God. Ponder what God speaks to you. My last question, and I'm done. Should parents be involved in their kids' faith at an early 
age. There are some parents that grow up and say, I'm going to let him grow up and let him choose whether to believe or not because I want him to own his faith and I don't want to force faith on my child. I I shared with you a month and a half ago, I went to the country of Sweden and I spoke to a conference of all Norway, Sweden, and Finland. And the biggest problem they're having is, is they have two generations that do not believe in God because they had parents at one point believe in the church that they shouldn't force or teach about God and let them grow up and do it on their own. Let me tell you, that is not biblically true. In fact, that is false. And if you're a parent or a grandparent in this room and you started to believe, you know what, we should allow our kids to choose their own faith, you are believing in something culture says. It's great opinion, but it's not truth. And I'm going to show you why. I'm not going to be the pastor that says, how dare you do that? I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to point you to Scripture. And if you believe Scripture is true, I'm going to show you what God has to say to parents and grandparents in this room about passing your faith on and teaching your next generation what it means to follow God. This was specifically to Joshua. Take a look at this. These are the commands, decrees, and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing from Jordan to possess, so that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy enjoy long life. Well, here's what Moses said to Joshua. Here's what Joshua would say to the people. He would say, look, parents, this is the truth, which is scripture. And the law of God is, is every day, every week, you were to speak of and point to this. Now, how many parents in the room, you have it as one of your goals on a continuous daily and weekly basis to pass down the legacy of faith to your kids? And the reason why I'm so passionate about this is I want to see a generation grow up with strong biblical fact and not biblical opinion. That's our problem today. So parents, what are you doing? Here's one last thing to say. In Deuteronomy 6, and you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. How important is truth to the family? My prayer and my hope today is that every parent, every adult in this room would understand that God's word is true. And every day and every week, we should be growing more because of it. God is the word. And he desires a strong relationship with you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, right now, I thank you for these questions that have been asked. And and God, right now, I I just, I lift this room up to you and watching online. And I pray that you'd speak to the heart of the individual. That right now, if they were asked, how, how, when was the last time that you opened up scripture? I ask right now that individual where they know in their heart, it's been a long time since they've done it. I pray that you would speak. I pray for the family in this room that right now is struggling with truth. And God, I pray that they would commit themselves wholeheartedly to the laws and the commands in which you've given. 
God, most importantly, I pray that we'd be a church, that we'd be a beacon of light and hope in this community. That when people have questions and they want answers, that we would unapologetically point them to your truth. Because your truth will lead to prosperity and success. So Father, we love you today and we bless you. And thank you for answering these questions for us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.